one of my personal maxims that I like is just, you know, be cool, be kind. You know, I, I try to always live by that. Just, you know, be a cool guy, be kind. And I think most things work out. I never try to like over kind of manipulate anything or anything like that. It's just, you know, be cool. I try to treat people well. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, folks, today we are going back to the world of luxury and celebrity. We are going back to high fashion, to work that is just meant to make us swell up with beauty and in, intrigue and all the things that you know a good image can make you think about. We're talking with Ryan West. Ryan is one of the very best uh, fashion and celebrity photographers in the U.S. right now. And you got to go to his website. It's ryanwestphoto.com. We're going to learn all sorts of things today, I hope, about what it means to break into the fashion industry, to the advertising industry, the editorial photography, and what makes Ryan's work really so compelling, which it is. Ryan, welcome. How you doing? Thank you so much, Scott. It's an honor to be here. Big fan of your work and your podcast. Uh, really <laughs> appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, because I mean, you are at the pinnacle. You are up there at the top of this kind of work. And so much of it, I look at, you know, from my point of view as a photographer and think that's gorgeous and i have no bloody clue whatsoever how to do that um so, i've seen your work when it, you've got some stuff you've got yeah, i've well, seen some of your black and whites well we'll see if we can unpack it i mean there are things out there you're doing that that i am just really really envious of but ryan let, let, let's start you know at, at, at the beginning you born in canada you got a degree in finance and business and you worked in finance for years and years Suddenly, you know, you, you say a number of times on the web, you know, you had a breakup, you're looking for something different, you had this other music thing going on. Right. T tell me how you got from being a finance guy to a fine art and, and, and a fine fashion photographer. Thank you. Well, you've done your research. Wow, look at that. Um, yeah, so like any good story, you know, it, it starts with a girl <laughs> or any good movie. So basically, yeah, I had gone through a bad breakup and uh, this was, I was working in, in the finance world. I had, uh, you know, I got my business degree, working in finance, working in strategic planning. And then um, it was right before summer, I went through this kind of bad breakup. And I just remember like that summer, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to focus on myself. No girls, no distractions. And two things I always wanted. One was a mountain bike because mine had been stolen in junior high school. So I picked that up, <laughs> went out to uh, some, uh, some mountain and some, some pass that actually had some jumps on it. Didn't really think too much about it. Just thought, hey, why, not, why, not, why don't I try this jump? Did it, landed on my wrist, sprained it pretty bad. So the mountain bike went back into uh, you know the closet. And uh, the second <laughs> thing that I wanted was uh, a proper camera because I had had a film camera as a kid, uh, which I really enjoyed. It, it ended up in like the riverbed somewhere because uh, uh, a girl I think I, I liked, I think at the time, I'd given it to her to kind of uh, take some photos and she ended up dropping it down this ravine. And that was sort of the end of that. So I'd always wanted one. and. Um, I can honestly say it was like a unhealthy deep dive. I think just because of the breakup and wanting, you know, like your focus just goes onto one thing and the camera, it just, it just reignited that kind of 
passion I had for it and the fun I had for it, with it uh, back in the day. And it was just a deep dive. I got the camera, I got a lens. Okay, what is it about like, you know, photos that I like? Oh, well, you can control the light. Okay, let me get a flash for it. Oh, it's better maybe if I, I push the flash off to the side. Oh, let me get like a little, uh, I had like a wired uh, cord at first, right? Oh, I can yep. do it across the room. Maybe I should get some wired triggers. Let me get that. Oh, you know what? A strobe <laughs> is better than like the, a little flash gun. Let me get a couple of those. So within, you know, a couple months, I was definitely a few thousand dollars into this. And I had friends that actually were photographer, uh, you know, photographers and they were like, wow, you're going, you're going pretty deep, pretty quick. But it just, it just spoke to me and it resonated to me. And there's just something about it where you get that, you know, almost instant feedback, you know? But yeah, you're talking about the film days here, though. I mean, especially when you were a kid. You know, what what about when you were seven, eight, twelve, however old? You know, those early pictures yeah. was was rekindled after the breakup. What what is it you were looking for? Back then, I mean, I was just having fun. One of my good friends was a graffiti writer uh, in Vancouver, and so we would just go out sometimes and go to the train stations. And uh, you know, he was looking for graffiti to be inspired by or take pictures of, um, and I would just take pictures as well, or just, I would basically experiment. So. I don't know if you remember like Transformers, but like the toys back in the day, they used to oh, yeah. come with those little oh, yeah. gel. There was like these little red gels and different gels that you could use. I, f- I forget what it was for, but I think you would put it on the back of the package and it would like reveal something about that character. And so I kept those gels. I had them and I got the idea like, oh, I should stick it in front of the camera and see what happens, you know? And then also got into like double exposures, which, uh, you know, is, is, is fairly easy with a camera, but you don't get that immediate exposure so i'd have a little notebook and i'd be like okay exposure one i'm sitting on the bed on the left side exposure two i was on this side of the room then i would finish <laughs> the roll and then go back and then set myself back onto the the right side of the bed or whatever it was so i was just always interested in being i think creative and i just i just enjoyed creating things whether it was music or photography anything artistic i just always felt a connection with so, I mean, you wound up going on tour with a bunch of musicians and, and bringing your camera along. Were the two genres feeding each other? Was the music helping the images? Were the images doing something for the music? I think so. So initially, I did just start off on music. I, you know, back in the day, I was a, I was a DJ. I had one right. of the first hip-hop shows in Vancouver. I ended up becoming a, a tour DJ for, uh, for an artist named Dilemma out of Toronto, who lived in Vancouver at the time. And through him is how I ended up going on, on tour but uh, initially, yeah, I was just more music focused. When I did get into photography, though, I think that having that music side did open some doors because one of the first things was small magazine in Vancouver. They said, hey, um, you know, I've been talking to them about doing some photography. And they said, hey, we think you'd be good for this since you have the music background. And it was, uh, it was kind of one of my first assignments. And it was for Foster the People. I don't know if you remember that group, but they had a huge hit. It was the song of the summer called Pumped Up Kicks. And I got to go down okay. to the radio station and photograph them. And I just, uh, the lead singer, I think his name is Mark Foster. He, you know, we just kind of connected because he's coming from the music background and he produced and he knows about like different, um, you know, audio workstations and plugins and keyboards. So we were just chatting about that. And, and because of that, I got a little bit more access and a little bit more time with them and ended up getting some great photographs with them. And that was kind of the start of it. And then I, I just, it, it kind of married those worlds. And then from there, ended up going on tour with my friend. Um, and we opened up for Warren G all across Canada. And so I got to take some photos of them. And it just kind of like, it was just like a nice, um, you know, they definitely complemented each other for sure. Very cool. So did you just wake up one Tuesday morning then and say, hey, I think I'm going to go to New York? Or I mean, how did you wind up getting to that stage? 
So basically, you know, I had done the, the safe route, you know, I had the business degree, I was working in, uh, you know, in a finance job, doing strategic planning, like I did enjoy that stuff. I do enjoy business, I do enjoy kind of the strategy of things. But at one point, the company just got too big. We had got shifted from the strategy to doing like risk management, which is basically like watching paint dry. And it just, you know, like I, I always feel like there, everyone has like an internal compass. I felt like mine was sort of off. And it just, that it just had that kind of that, that seed of an idea. Like, you know what, maybe I could do music or maybe I could do photography. Maybe I could do both, you know, but now's the time. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have these bigger responsibilities, right? I, I did have a house that I co-owned with a friend and I did have a pretty, a pretty good job, I would say. I was definitely the youngest in that position. It was good money. I didn't have to worry about budgeting. You know, I was very, very lucky to be in that position. So I almost felt guilty. And I think that's what was kind of holding me back at first. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, we only get this life once really right now that you're living. So, uh, you know, it's now or never. And then I kind of came up with this maximum, you know, you can always go back. Because people were like, oh man, what about your job? But you know what? You can always go back. There's a million finance jobs. And then when I was going to leave Vancouver to go to New York, well, what if it doesn't work out? Well, then I can always go back, you know? Like, it's not the end of the world, right? You can always go back. It's just, you got to take that leap. And, you know, there was a lot of people at work in, in, in that finance world that did want to leave and do different things. And, you know, some of them did, and that's great, but a lot of them didn't, you know? And the thing is, you just never know, right? Like, what, what else could you have done? What else could you do? And I mean, the thing is, you, you can go back. It's, you know, I get it. People like comfort, but at the end of the day, it's, it's almost like comfort is the enemy, you know, like when you're too comfortable and you, you get, you're just kind of uh, complacent in, in living this, this life, you know? And then for some people, that's maybe that's fine. Right. But for some people that do want to do things, I don't know, I just started getting this burning desire. And, and basically I started reaching out to photographers whose work I liked. And I reached out to one, uh, Alexi Lubomirsky in New York. And his studio manager was like, hey, you know, we might have a project that you could be able to help on, blah, blah, blah. So I stayed in touch with her. And then one, you know, we're chatting on the phone one day and she's like, oh, that project's not going to go through. But, uh, you know, she's like, if you're serious about photography, you really do need to come to New York because this is where the magazines are. A lot of the brands are. And she's like, you know, I know it'll be hard for you because you're Canadian. But I was like, actually, I'm a dual citizen. And literally, there was like a second of silence. And she's like, well, you need to get your ass down here. Right. And, and literally, that's what I did. I think within like, two months. By that time, I had sold my house. I quit my finance job, all that stuff. And um, I went to New York. And basically, she was my first call. Uh, you know, I asked her, you know, if we could meet up for coffee or if I could come by. And, you know, I brought my portfolio. I had a printed portfolio, which I, I still believe in. I still think it's good to have something tangible. Of course, of course, you need, you know, online. Of course, you need all these other things. It's just, it's just something different. And there is something tangible. And there's something beautiful about it. I feel turning a page and connecting and you know, so I, I brought it and, you know, I do like to try and stand out and be a little bit different. So I, I had this huge, like 11 by 14 or something like that. It was like an acrylic portfolio. I had my logo like carved out of it. So it was like, I had a, like, I had a hard time finding like a bag, like a carry bag, you know, just to lug it around. So the downside, it was, it was super heavy because uh, it was like this thick acrylic and super big, but on the plus side, it did stand out. So when I would break it out at meetings, uh, you know, people would notice it. And so, yeah, I, I met down with her. Her name was Emily, and uh, she's still with him, actually. And so I sat down, and she was flipping through my book, and she's like, well, you definitely know lighting. She's like, you know, you definitely have that down. She's like, but these aren't, like, models. These are just kind of cute Vancouver girls. She's like, you really need to, you know, work with New York models. So I was like, okay. I took note, 
And then in my head, I was like, there's no way I'm leaving here without some sort of like internship or something. And luckily, I didn't even have to ask just at the end. She was like, hey, you know, you, if you want, you could intern her. You know, we could definitely use her help and you seem like a good person and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, I thought no problem. You know, even though I was already kind of shooting a little bit, I just thought being in that environment would be a good thing. They seem like good people. And, you know, it, it worked out amazing. That, that is such a cool story. And then you, so you spend a little bit of time in New York, then you move out West to California. I'm looking at your resume, man. You got New York Times, you got Vogue, you've got L, you've got Harper's, you've got uh, East St. Laurent, BMW. Your, your client list is A-list all the way through. But on the other side, there are a thousand of you out there. How do you, how do you, how do you get from being just really good to actually known and and people are calling you i mean that is the challenge of it right there are so many Mm -hmm. good photographers and so many good artists that you can't just rely on being good anymore being good is just the the ticket to entry you know what i mean like that's just a given you have to be good so then from there it is like you said like how do you separate yourself so you know it's going to be relationships it's going to be how you market yourself um, you know, all, all sorts of things, right? Doing stuff like this, chatting, meeting people, connecting, because at the end of the day, people want to work with people that they enjoy and, and, and people that they like. So, you know, and, and of course, from there is how do you connect and get to these people? Well, that is, you know, that is the question, right? I'm still doing it. It, it never stops, you know, it, it never stops. It's all meeting people and, and just being, you know, one of my personal maxims that I like is just, you know, be cool, be kind. You know, I, I try to always live by that. Just, you know, be a cool guy, be kind. And I think most things work out. I, I never try to like over kind of manipulate anything or anything like that. It's just, you know, be cool. I try to treat people well, you know, and that's kind of my maximum. And so far, so, so good. Uh, you know, no, no egos or nothing like that. I just want to do good work. And, you know, we're pretty lucky, like pretty lucky to get to do what we, what we do. You know, like I, I don't have to work a finance job anymore. You know, I do this full time. I have a wife. I have a child. I have a, you know, I have a, a condo that I own. Good. It's, it's, everything is, is, is pretty amazing and very, very lucky sometimes, you know? That, that is very cool. And I, I want to get to the images themselves here in just a minute. Sure. But to, to, to stay on the, the business side for a little right. bit, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking, I mean, you, you got a good collection, you got a good portfolio, you got, you know, the ability to make the cold calls and that kind of stuff, build the relationships. Right. You know, what, your website's all about service and care and, and all of that stuff. Right. But tell me the story of that first LA gig, you know, the, 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 the denim company that you mentioned. How did you target them? What did you do? How did you go about opening that very first store in California to what's become a, a spectacular career? Right. So what the funny thing is, is I had, I still had my place in Vancouver. I was living in New York. I'd been there for just under a year and I was really prepared to move there. At that same time, that friend that I used to tour with, who was an artist, said to me, hey, I'm thinking about moving to LA. Why don't you come with me for like a month or two? Let's check things out uh, before I make a decision. And I said, I totally remember, cool. There's no way I'm moving to LA, but I'll come with you. So we come out to LA. I think we were here for about two months, three months max. He ended up hating it. He went back to Toronto. And for me, I ended up really enjoying it because one, the weather is fantastic. Two, it's a close flight back home to Vancouver. It's about two hours. And three, as opposed to assisting in New York, I was being hired as a photographer in LA. So for those reasons, I decided to stay. And then 
as well, and a little interesting kind of tidbit from that time that I remember was, I have you heard of the book, The Alchemist? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had heard of it. I just never, you know, it wasn't on my radar. I'm a big fan of reading. I try to read at least one or two books a month you know, that are either biographies or personal development. So I had heard about it just for whatever reason, it just wasn't on my radar to read. Uh, I remember, I think I saw Pharrell on the Oprah show or something like that. I'm a big fan of Pharrell's and just how he has made his name in one area, but then obviously expanded outside of that, kind of a man of many talents. And I remember him saying, I think, I think Oprah asked him, like, what's one of your top books you've ever read? And he said, The Alchemist. I thought, okay, you know what? Good enough for Pharrell. Good enough for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna read that book, and so I was reading it right at that time, and I think I had just gotten that denim job. And in the book, basically, like one of the one of the themes was that the universe or whatever God, the universe, is gonna give you like a signal that you're on the right path. You know, like just like a real good win, and then from there, of course, you're gonna probably have to work for it, and you know, whatever. And there's gonna be a struggle or a path or a journey, but. Initially, you're going to get that kind of signal, that sign. And to me, that was that denim job. I literally was in LA, I think, for two weeks. I was just trying to call people, meet people, do whatever I can. I forget how I came across it. It might have been like on a Facebook group or just someone, you know, sending me like a link to something. And I reached out to them. I, I kind of told them, you know, who I was, the type of work I like to do, how I could add value. That's always a big one for me. And they reached back. I ended up going for an interview. I went down to their warehouse, uh, met the marketing director, and we just hit it off. And actually, the funny thing was, he's a huge fan of hip hop. So somehow it came up about he used to promote back in the day. And then I said, oh, I've toured with Bone Thugs and Harmony, Warren G. You know, we've opened up for Method Man, Red Man, all these things. And so we just, it's there you go, right? It's that one thing that clicks, had that connection. Yep. Obviously, you still have to kill it on the job. And yeah, and, and, I, and I was awarded the job and ended up shooting for them for, for quite a while. And I just took that as a sign. You do well on that one. And then the next one comes along and then the next. And suddenly you are taking pictures, you know, of Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, you're, you're taking pictures of, you know, A-list uh, celebrities all over the place. Tell me, tell me what it's like to work with the A-list stars. Because, I mean, you know, you're on the cover of L'Oreal here. You, you've got, you know, the cover of Bazaar. These are people, you know, who are desperately and intensely aware of their image. Right. What's it like to What's it like to work with those people? So, just like you said, there, they're intensely aware of their image. I, I find like a lot of, not all, but a, a majority of actors do want to be photographed kind of as themselves. You know, so they they might not want to be all done up in a certain way. Some do though, because fashion and editorial, it is a bit of a story, right? So, right. Um, that is right. the thing. It's a bit of a give and take sometimes, you know, so it just depends. But another interesting fact is that just actors, again, it's kind of half and half. Uh, because when you're directing an actor, let's say on a film set, they're playing a role. So if anything is weird or funny or doesn't look good, well, it's not them, it's the character. But when you're photographing them, you're photographing them as themselves. So if they don't look good or whatever, then they get, you know, they're very cognizant of that and get um, self-conscious. So that's kind of the trick, right? Because there's no role really to play. It's a still image and they're hyper aware that they are just being themselves, right? You're photographing them, not the character. So this, this kind of comes back to one of the things I tell um, other photographers that kind of ask me for tips and things. I say, you know, anybody can learn the technical, the lighting, the camera, all that stuff. To me, the actual final frontier of, of photography is psychology, right? 
How do you control right. that set? How do you get what you need out of people? How do you put people at ease? Because you know, for these types of jobs, there, there can be several people on set, and sometimes it does get pretty big. And you're dealing with a lot of different artists, different egos, different agendas. You know, like if the publicist is there, their you know their job is just to make sure the comfort is their client is comfortable and to get them out you know uh, as soon as possible because they have other things to do. They're busy. You know, to me, it's a big deal, but to them, it might not be. Right? It's just another photo shoot. Um, that they have to do but for me you know i take doesn't matter what i'm doing i always treat it as a big you know as a big event as a big deal like i want to do the best i possibly can regardless if i have time constraints or, or whatever the constraints may be so working with them it's just you know i try to i try to um kind of touch base and chat with them as they're getting hair and makeup done and just get a sense of of how they of how they are that day Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. Yeah, you're describing a world to me that would seem to be really capable of devolving into arguments and misgiving quickly because you have a publicist, you have a, an art director, you have you know probably somebody else with a creative title, and they're all sitting between you and the subject trying to tell you what to do and them what to do. Where, where does Ryan West's vision and creativity really come into the process when you've got all these layers of protection and, like I said, different agendas sitting in front of you? Right. So again, that's that's the balancing act and that's the, um, that's the psychology of it, right? So I mean, most times you'll have kind of things already predetermined, like there, this is kind of what we're thinking and this is kind of the set and the vibes and or whatever that goes to the publicist, and then they will sign off on it with the talent, most likely. Uh, so you know, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just sign off on it, or they say, "Okay, cool." Sometimes I feel like the talent doesn't even know really what they're doing until they get there, which is funny because <laughs> you've gone through all these layers and you think, "Well, is not who they were checking with." But regardless, though, at the end of the day, I just want them. You know, I want them to feel good. Like I'm, I am. There's different types of photographers in this in, in this world, right? So some people do want them to do something crazy or funny, like, hey, we're going to light these pineapples on fire and juggle them. And hey, that's a, that humor kind of photography world, that, that's cool. It's not my thing. I don't personally want to do that. I don't do that. I, I try to make things, um, you know, beautiful or emotional. And, and I try to make it look a bit, even though there's a ton of work going into it, I try to make it look effortless, you know? And just put them at ease, right? You know, it, is is there is there an identifiable Ryan West style? I think either. Well, that's another thing that comes. You know, when you talk to agents or consultants and things like that, you know, there's kind of two paths, right? Either one, you know, you kind of do the work you enjoy and, and kind of uh, vary it up however you see fit, and you're probably not going to get clients hiring you for a particular style because it it changes or evolves or whatever, and you're going to get jobs on relationships. That's how I am. Then you have the other side where it's just very narrow focus. It's just one thing that that photographer does and they get hired to do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with either one, but I just couldn't possibly stand doing the same thing over and over and over. And I, and, and from what I've heard from photographers that do kind of have like a, a signature look that they do, they get a little tired after a while because they just keep getting hired to do that same thing. So for me, 
my kind of litmus test is just, is it an interesting photo? You know, is, is someone going to stop and look at that photograph? Because that's what I'm hired to do. That is kind of the, the goal, right? It's, you know, if you're flipping through a magazine, are you, you know, you might not know who that person is. You might not care to read the article. So my job is to try and make it an interesting image where at least you're going to stop and be like, who is that? And then maybe check the name and then maybe start reading the article. And that's to me what I think is a successful like editorial image. So that's, that's kind of always my goal. Yeah, I, I, I'm laughing here because, you know, I've been going through your work and that's exactly what I've been doing. These images come along and I stop and I look at them. I don't know who most of these celebrities are, but that says more about me than anything else. <laughs> and But the, the images are just thrilling. I mean, every single one of them. And you do have a range. You've got everything. You've got studio shots. You've yeah. got outdoor shots. You've got, you know, massive artificial light. You've got yeah. natural light. You've even got a couple underwater shots in there. Right. Um, you know. T- tell me a story of a completely average session. I don't mean, you know, like, like an average person, but where everything worked exactly the way it was supposed to and the shots wound up being really cool. I mean, the major- to be honest, the majority of shoots are like that. Like it is very controlled. I, 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 I've worked very hard to kind of train my team and build all these systems in place because at the end of the day, nobody cares what happens. Like, oh, your camera's not working or your laptop crashes or this happened. Like nobody's going to care. It all rests on the photographer, you know, that even like, even like with styling and hair and all that, you know, let's say the styling's off or the hair's off or whatever. No one's going to look at that photograph and be like, oh, I blame them. Like they're just going to be like, oh, it's a bad photo. And that reflects back on, on you. So again, that's where it comes back to the psychology and getting the team. So like, I will always respect another artist that say it's like the hair. I will let them try it. And then if it doesn't work, you know, I'll say, oh, maybe we should try something else or that's not quite working with like the outfit or, you know, you kind of have to massage it in a way to, to kind of um, uh, to, to change it up. So that's why I don't really end up with things that I'm not happy with. The only time is like, let's say there's a time constraint and you just have to do like a quick, you know, you're being asked to do like a quick studio shot, fashion gray background or something like that. You know, it's a nice portrait. Is it something crazy that's going to stand out forever? Probably not, but it's just a nice portrait. So sometimes you have to do that. It's just, you know, just really depends on what you're being asked to do. I, I, I do enjoy doing more like creative things for sure. And I do try to sneak that in when I can, even if I'm being hired to do just like regular portraits, you know, I work fairly quickly. I don't overshoot. I think a lot of publicists and um, talent re- like respect that and, and like that. And so because of that, that saves me, I have built up a little bit of extra time. So I'll typically will say, hey, we're done. I do have one thing that I, I thought in mind for you that I, that I was thinking of last night. And that's true. Like I will look at them and think, what would be something cool that I could do? <laughs> and I'll have it all set up, ready to go. And I can tell uh-huh. you 100% of the time, they always say yes. Because I'll say, I got one more thing and I kind of designed it for you in mind. Well, that's pretty hard to say no to, right? And the session yep. has gone good and everyone's happy. So typically the talent will say, yeah, let's. Uh, I want to see this. Let's do it. And then I'll get that kind of one creative shot for myself. Oh, I, I love it. And of course, that's the sweet spot. That's the one that, that everybody's going to remember uh, from there. There has to have been a shot or a shoot somewhere in your career that just went to hell, that, that, that you know, nothing worked and, and, and you just wish you could get a do-over for the whole day. Is there a story hanging back there somewhere about that? Um, I mean, I would say there's, there's one story. It didn't go to hell, but it, it just wasn't the best. So, um, you know, obviously I cannot say the name of who it was, but basically I had just gotten married and everybody was in town and I didn't really, you know, I wasn't doing any, any shoots that week. Uh, my agent at the time, 
called me and she's like, hey, we have this cover. It's a pretty big cover. It's a pretty big star. And I said, ah, you know what? I know that would be good to have, but I'm going to pass, you know? And then they came back and she's like, well, you know, I already kind of mentioned your name to the publicist. You've, you've been signed off on. They did like your work. Uh, you know, are you sure we could make it quick? Uh, you know, I said, I, I don't know. I don't think so. And then the third time, she's like, you know, I think it would be really good because this was a few years ago. <laughs> I was still kind of building up my covers and stuff. And yep. she's like, look, I'll, I'll tell you what. We can, we'll just get a studio right where you live. We'll only do like three looks. It'll, you know, and it, it just sounded so good. So I was like, okay, you know what? Okay, well, let's do that. But then literally like the night before, it was like, oh, you know what? The artist lives like downtown. So they had to move the studio down there. And now I'm like, okay, that's an, you know, going to be a 40 minute drive for me or 45 minutes down another, you know, hour back or whatever it is. I just knew right there that it's probably not going to be good. And then we got down to set. And just like there was like 30 people there, way too many people for this like little editorial. And just the vibe was off. Everyone's heads down. No one looks happy. And I you know, I said to my assistant, I'm like, oh, this is like odd, right? And then there was a videographer guy there, a young guy. And we kind of hit it off with him. And I said, dude, like what's, and he, what's happening? And he's like, yeah, it's just like sort of weird vibes. And then the talent came and she just was, didn't seem very happy. And uh, just, you know, maybe she's having a bad day. I don't know. And um it just didn't go like, yeah, like I had, I had all these things planned, all these like trick shots, like using mirrors and maybe some acrylic stuff and some gels and different things. And just, you know, we had started off with like something real simple, just like real beautiful lighting. And uh, I think it was the clothes. She just had a real fit with the clothes. And the stylist was someone very big who's well known. And just, uh, she just had a fit. She didn't like the clothes. And she basically walked off the set, went to the bathroom, slammed the door yeah, and like for five minutes, we're just sitting there like, what is going on? So anyway, she, she eventually changed. She came back and, you know, I just said, hey, like, you know, I get it. You know, you're not, you know, you're uncomfortable with the clothes. Let's just, let's just see what works. Let's take a few frames. If you don't feel it, we'll just keep changing until you are. You know, it's not, it's not a problem on our side. And, but yeah, I just, I just made it short and sweet because I just, you know, uh, that was probably, yeah, I mean, <laughs> nothing too bad. You know, it's not too crazy, but it just wasn't the best. I didn't, I, it left a bad taste in my mouth. I probably wouldn't shoot that talent again if asked. No, who knows? Maybe she had a bad day. And but you know, I just thought to myself, like, I should be visiting with my family right now, you know, like this is like my wedding week and I'm doing this job and it's not, you know, they don't really seem grateful that we're doing it. So that, that was probably it. And again, it wasn't really about us. It was more about her team. And she started yelling yep. like at her stylist and at her manager. And it was like, I've never really seen that, to be honest. That's one of the first times I've saw I've seen something like that. And it just kind of left a bad taste. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it was. I'm glad it was rare. Um, yeah. Ryan, you, you have an extraordinary website, Thank and I, again, everybody, you gotta go. It's it's RyanWestPhoto.com, and you have it divvied up into celebrity, beauty, editorial, music, advertising. We're gonna get to motion in just a second, but on on under the beauty tab. I am just completely in awe and, and jealous of the way you handle photographing skin, um, skin tone, skin color, skin texture. I'm going all the way through the, these pages here thinking the lighting is extraordinary. Uh, whatever retouching you've done in here is, is you know, both uh, successful and invisible. I mean, you, you don't look at this and think, well, that's a retouched photograph. Is, is there a special talent to lighting a, a, a person's skin and, and face? Uh, you know, it's funny because I do see people talk about that. And the funny thing is I've been hired several times by, let's say, like, a you know, black talent or Asian talent. And they're like, oh, I like the way you light, you know, black skin or Asian skin and things like that. And the funny thing is, 
I really don't light it differently. I still just light it as I would and you adjust the taste. I mean, I, you know, it, that's just my opinion because if you think about it, the sun is up in the sky. It doesn't differentiate between, you know, what ethnicity you are. The sun just, right. your sun rays just fall down on you. So why would it be any different? But not to knock anyone else because I do see people talk about that and maybe that's like they're, you know, maybe that's how they market themselves as some sort of competitive advantage. But um, to me, no, I, I, I light, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, how the light is falling on the person, the shadows, and then I just the taste. And of course, some people, you might need a, a bit more light or less light depending on the complexion. But for the most part, no, it doesn't change my, my mind. It's more about the face shape. You know, I think that's more important. Like the, the, the person's the shape of the face. Is it circular? Is it round? Do they have deep set eyes? Um, things like that come more into play in my opinion. Do you spend a lot of time designing lighting? I mean, right there in the moment? Mm, not really. I, I definitely would do it. I would, I would never just kind of, you know, go for, uh, like, just try something out with like a, a talent there. If it's like a model or a friend, of course. Yeah. But I, I, I try all these things beforehand because I definitely want to, you know, you got to know what you're doing and it's got to look good. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I would recommend is when you're setting up the light, like obviously you're in there beforehand, you're setting up that light. You're going to take those test shots to make sure it looks good because when the talent or whoever comes in and you take that first shot and everybody's head turns to the screen, it better look good. Right. You know, <laughs> you don't want to be tested. And I've seen that. I've seen some younger guys or just people that maybe don't have the experience. They, they kind of do that. They're just like adjusting. They're not using meters or anything. They're just sort of like adjusting the light by taste. And you can do that, but I wouldn't do that with like a big talent for sure. Because right. they, that first image really has to kind of wow and look beautiful, right? Because again, that's the psychology. You're going to set that person at ease, right? If you came in, like if I were to sit you down and I take a picture and the lighting's off and I'm like, oh, okay, just hold tight and adjust it. Like it, what's that going to do for your confidence, right? You know, so yeah. it's, it's much better to have you sit down and boom, that first picture comes up and I already know it's going to look great. But then you're like, oh, wow, like that is beautiful. You know, then, of course, you're going to feel more confident uh, in me and, and just more comfortable and, and get a better picture, I think. Well, you, you have a good half dozen different lighting styles just here on your webpage. So I, I really do suggest everybody go look at it. And the way you handle freckles um, is, is just stunning. I, I've tried that with several people that I know. I've never got it to look uh, as beautiful as you've got it to look. <laughs> Tell me about this tab on your website called Motion. You you have a whole portfolio here of clips, just just these little several second clips. Why are you establishing that as a kind of separate portfolio? Well, that was recommended to me both by my agent and a consultant, just because motion is so important, and some clients will most likely want a little bit of motion um, for what you're shooting. Right? Let's say you're shooting some uh, clothing brand. They're you know they're going to want kind of the uh you know the lookbook or editorial or campaign shots but they're also going to want some some moving images whether it's a gif or a video either for their website or for instagram or or whatever the case is so i, I think it is important and i think i think it's easier for a photographer to get into motion versus a video guy getting into into photography why is that i because i think in a moving image regardless of the light is good or bad or whatever the image is moving so your eyes are focused on the subject and the story and the dialogue so it's a, in my opinion it's a, it's a lot more forgiving i find video much easier to, to direct to be honest because a still is a slice of a moment and you can look at it dissect it take it apart judge it 
you know, you're looking at all the details, but if something is moving, it's much harder to do that, you know, in my opinion. You you have your own YouTube channel and you've got, I haven't counted, but you've got, you know, a good number of, of, of videos here. And these are, I mean, one's, you know, 26 minutes long, but the rest of them are all a minute 30, a minute 20, something like that. And these are not how-to videos, everybody. This is not, you know, proper F-stop for shooting in a desert, that kind of stuff. <laughs> these are, um, you know, these are ads. These are short films. These are mood pieces. And they're, I mean, they're compelling. Are, are you a, a microfilm producer, director person? Um, what's going on with these things? So with that, with the videos there, there's a lot of BTS. So if you want to see how I shoot and, and how we work with people, there's some good BTS videos there. I also have a reel of, of me that's just kind of a quick summary of how I like to work and how we operate and the kind of fun we have on sets. So that's a good one to check out. Uh, and then, like you said, some of them are just little clips that I have done for brands, like a fitness brand or beauty brand, things like that. And then there are, I think there was an ad as well. I did one for Kelly Blue Book from... The girl that played Kelly on 90210. So that, that was a fun one. And so, yeah, I do like to direct because it is very similar. Like when I'm, when I'm with a subject, I am, you know, when I'm with a subject for, and I'm directing for stills, I like to give a little direction. I don't like to give nothing, but I also don't like to over direct, you know? So, and I, and I also don't like, like stillness, unless I'm doing a very serious portrait and it has to be a certain way, I will always have them sort of move in slow motion, if you will. So if I say, you know, like touch your wrist or try, try putting your hand here or try this. Um, I always have them kind of still moving a little bit so that you are capturing, even though it's all set up and this is all like a manufactured world, but you are still capturing a real moment, if that makes sense, you know? And so mm-hmm. I employ that same sort of technique. If I am filming uh, motion, then I'm just, then I really am directing. Okay. Like you're going to walk this way, look back at, at the, you know, at, at the woman there and then, you know, grab that, that ring or whatever the case may be. So I am directing, but it's, it's very similar. And I think that's, I've started getting more jobs with, with motion because they like the way I direct and I'm able to switch back and forth between stills and video. Do, do you think going way back, do, do you think your background in music and I'm thinking rhythm and cadence and timing and all that, is, is that helping your video, your motion stuff, your videos? I never thought of it, but that is a very good insight. Perhaps, perhaps. Because I mean, I'm, I'm looking at these videos, and and they're all upbeat, they're all energetic. They, they've got a good, fast pace to them. And you know, if you told me that you came out of the Lawrence Welk days, I'd say, well, obviously you rejected that. But you, you're coming out of hip hop. You're coming out of of stuff that is very much like the videos you're doing. And I'm intrigued by this notion that it's easier to move from still to motion than it is to move from motion to still. Are, are, are you going to go for lo- longer work? Are you looking for shorts? Are, you gonna, are we going to see you doing a feature film someday? Man, that would be amazing. I, would, I mean, I'm open for it. I'm open for it. But yeah, and I'll give you another kind of reason um, that, I, that I believe that. And there's, you know, I, I'm not going to say names, but uh, two decent directors that have worked with big, big names, you know, in the business, like music names that direct videos and things of that. You know, I've been hired by them because they don't have that background and maybe that the the comfortableness with doing stills. So I've been hired by them to do lighting and to set up the camera and kind of set everything up for them, you know, because they're just, they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's just a little bit too different for them. Um, even like I did, I did the lighting thing with um, LG. It's not on my site because it was just like a lighting job, but I basically was hired as a visual consultant to go in and just kind of sign off on the lighting uh, for the talent that was in the shot because uh, she had requested me. 
you know, it's a very interesting job. And something also that I like to do is kind of the visual consultant to kind of go in and maybe come up with a lighting scheme or give my thoughts on the lighting and anything, anything to do with the aesthetic of it. It, it's, you know, man, it, it, you look all through these pictures and if you're into photography and you're looking for things like lighting, yours just screams talent because, you know, every image here is just really popping off the screen. I, I can see hiring you to come in and say, you know, check my lights, make, make sure I got <laughs> what I think I'm, I'm going to get here. You have an Instagram feed. No surprise to anybody out there. I recommend it to everyone. Is there a shot on here that's a personal favorite? I'm going. I'm scrolling through them right now, and other than the fact that I want that '58 Corvette that you took pictures of Jojo oh Ryder with, yeah, um, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> that was, I, I personally picked that car. Actually, uh, oh, did I, you? I, I produced that shoot. Actually, yeah, I put that all together: the location, the car, found it, had to, you know, hire the guy to drive it out there. Um, it was very interesting. Oh, that's the job I want. They didn't put her on a trailer. Huh? I'm going to be the guy that delivers the 58 Corvette to the photo shoot. He was the only one that would do it because it was way out there. It was El Mirage Dry Lake or something like that. And he was one of the few guys that was willing to drive it all the way out there because, I, you know, to, to have it on a flatbed and take it out there, it, it, you know, it adds up, especially for an editorial shoot. Yeah. Well, now you, you said something a second ago that, that caught my ear. You said you produced this shot. So you're not you're not just the shooter on this one. You 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 are the boss. Tell me and everyone. This is a shot for for Harper's Bazaar. Uh, it's got Jojo Ryder yep. sitting in front of of a sort of a turquoise ish, nineteen fifty eight Chevy Corvette, um, classic classic car. But okay, so you're you're not just the photographer on this one. You're, you're the head honcho. Tell me the story of this shoot. So basically, it was for it's an international. So it was uh, I think Vietnam. I think it was Harper's Bazaar. And we, there was some discussion about shooting Jojo for the cover. I happened to know him. I've shot him before. Uh, so he requested me to, to shoot that. And because they're in Vietnam, they, just, they, they need someone to produce it here, right? And so it's just sometimes easier, you know, and it just helps you, you know, it's just, it's just a good thing to be able to do if you have that, that skill set. And from my finance days, I do have project management in my background where I can, you know, manage quite large projects and large budgets. So for me, I just had that particular vision in mind. That was my idea. I pitched them on that. They loved it. You know, the desert with the car and all that stuff. And I just thought it would be super cool. Jojo loved it. It was like a pretty big, um, you know, it was a great cover. It got us a lot of attention. And yeah, so basically I picked it out, uh, pitched it, and then I just had to bring it all together in terms of the crew and um, just the timing and all that stuff. But, you know, I think, you know, I think as a photographer, when you first start out, you're kind of doing that. Um, you know, at a lower scale or a lower degree, but it's the same thing, right? Like you're, it's, it's, it's always your set, right? Like even if there is a producer and all that, that's, that's doing it, like on some of these shoots, it's still up to you to, to make sure everything is going good or ask the producer to take care of something for you. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you want everyone to kind of be happy and it should be, you know, we're not curing cancer, right? Like it's not so serious, but sometimes people, it gets so serious and I get it because there is a lot of money involved sometimes. But at the end of the day, you know, it should be fun where we should do the job. It should be fun. Let's get what we need and have fun doing it. And and to me, that's what I aim for. And I think consistently. Do, do you think that's a good thing to recommend to photographers that are you know looking to get into the fashion and celebrity business is to over time develop their producing skills or because I mean, because I mean, the, the hairstylist is working for you on that set. You, you know, you're not essentially doing whatever they tell you to do. Right. 
I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? Because as well, sometimes let's say you, you know, you're dealing with a client and they're like, oh my God, last minute, like the hairstylist got booked out or got sick or has COVID, you know, do you happen to know anybody else? So, you know, as a producer, uh, when you do these things, I would, I would suggest to people to make a little uh, database, you know, I have like an Excel sheet and it has all these different tabs for hairstylists, stylists, make, you know, makeup artists, assistants, lighting people, like everything, Digitex. And I just keep a, a little like roster on there. So I have my main people that I use, but let's say they can't make it then for myself, even I can pull someone in. Or if I have, you know, a friend or a producer or a client and they need something, I have these resources where I can quickly, yeah, hey, try these people. You know, and so often they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like, you know, we needed someone uh, last minute for something and you saved the day, right? I mean, so, so why not, right? I think it is a, it's a, it's, it's a value add, right? That's what I always come down to as well. It's like, how, do, how can I add value to this? You know, how can I deliver more? How can I wow, right? Because like you said earlier, there are so many, there's so many photographers. So the market is saturated with everything because the barrier to entry has dropped. It's not that expensive anymore to get a camera or you know there's no film to develop unless you're shooting film of course <laughs> then it adds up but i'm just saying generally speaking the barrier to entry for a lot of creative things has has come down because of technology right so the market's flooded with music producers and you know rappers or just you know photographers videographers it's flooded right so so again going back to what i said initially like you know the barrier to entry really is just or the ticket to get in is basically just to be good right that's already a given you have to be good so then separating yourself by your relationships by how you can add value by maybe there is a problem with the production and the producer needs a favor with something and you're able to do it you know that's going to help people remember that right very wise words and extraordinary work. Uh, Ryan, this has been special. This has been fantastic. I appreciate it. And, and the work, everybody, is extraordinary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.